Welcome to Family History, Genealogy Made Easy. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. You probably have a lot of curiosity about your family history, but not a lot of time. And that's why I created this podcast. In each episode, I'm going to give you the tools that you need to uncover your family tree in quick and easy ways. Now, so far in this podcast series, we've focused much of our attention on primary sources, those records that were created at the time or very near the time of the event by those involved in the event. Well, most recently, we discussed birth records, both civil and church records. Primary sources are vital to our research, but secondary sources can also add tremendous value and be very interesting, to say the least. Newspapers are just that kind of resource. And in today's episode, we're going to go in search of the color commentary on our ancestors with Jane Knowles Lindsay, who teaches quite often on this subject at the California Genealogical Society, where she currently presides as president. People shouldn't get discouraged because it's much better than it used to be. I can remember, you know, when I started doing research and looked for newspapers, I mean, you had to kind of look at a day that you knew something happened and then, you know, search, you know, page by page. And now you really have the opportunity of speeding up that search um, with all the digitizing that they're doing. Newspapers can offer such a unique perspective on history in general and our ancestors specifically. You can find everything from birth, marriage, and death announcements to school and club events, crime stories, sports activities, just about any activity that your ancestor was part of that would have made the news. So let's get started and read all about it. who currently serves as the president of the California Genealogical Society, has been researching her family history since 1982. Since becoming president of the society five years ago, she's really enjoyed seeing the society grow. Jane's specialty is event planning, and she's arranged for cruises and group research tours to Salt Lake City, Boston, and Fort Wayne, Indiana for the members. Sounds like a lot of fun. A native of Massachusetts, Jane is a past trustee and council member for the New England Historic Genealogical Society. She received her B.S. degree in nursing from Boston University and practiced nursing until 1983. And she moved to California in 1977 with her husband and two sons. She now enjoys teaching classes at the California Genealogical Society and always makes time for two research trips a year to Salt Lake City. In part one of this week's episode, she talks about the innovations in newspaper research and how to get started searching them. Here's my conversation with her. Well, hi, Jane. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Lisa, for inviting me. Well, it's fun to have you here. And I know um, before we launch into newspapers, uh, you have a a long and extensive um, involvement in the world of genealogy. Tell us a little bit more about your background. Well, I've actually been doing genealogy since um, 1982 um, and belong to the New England Historic Genealogical Society since that time because I'm a native of Massachusetts. But I moved out here in the 70s and um, really didn't get involved with any local societies for quite a while. And in 2000, um, 
I don't know how I ended up getting involved, but um, <laughs> I ended up becoming involved with the California Genealogical Society and really didn't think I should belong because I didn't have any California ancestors. But I was really mistaken because so many of the people in our society have no California ancestors. They just belong because they're interested in genealogy. So um, I stayed involved, and then about two years later, I ended up becoming president, and I've been president now for going on six years. And uh, we've been working really hard at the society to try to tell people about what we do and all the great resources we have there. So um, that's pretty much genealogy in a nutshell for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a lot. It's um, You make a good point that many of us, um, because everybody's relocating these days, you know, we end up somewhere else and, and you kind of get this misconception that, oh, well, if I don't have ancestors here, then, then this isn't really for me. But it totally is, isn't it? Right. And, I mean, we have so many incredibly um, talented researchers at our library. Um, Dorothy Koenig, who has done a uh, New Netherlands um, periodical for a number of years and has just given permission to New England to put it on their New York website. She's a member, and we have people that do um, research in New York and um, experts in Jewish genealogy and just lots of different places, and they all come together and share their knowledge. It's quite a, quite a great place. Well, and I'm really happy to have you here today on the show. I know you are um, willing to share your knowledge, and, and the topic is newspapers. Mm-hmm. And I I just think it's a fascinating area. You know, it's um, not a primary source, but it's a rich source, and it's a, right. a contextual source. So I'd love and, to. And now, nowadays, it's just changing daily. It's yeah. Amazing. Um, I recently did a, um, a talk on our intermediate genealogy series that um, the Oakland Family History Center and, and uh, California Genealogical Society um, sponsored. And um, just doing the outline for the research was a really amazing learning experience. You bet. Well, that's what I'm hoping we can do today is um, walk through some of those steps. Um, the The series has been uh, has been kind of set out to help folks be able to start from the beginning and work their way up. But we have lots of advanced listeners listening as well, so I'm sure they'll pick up on some nuggets. And um, but let's talk about newspapers because um, one of the first things I think that that researchers notice when they try to go out and locate re- newspapers is they're spread out all over the place, aren't they? Yes, they are. <laughs> and um, and you really quite don't know what where to start. Um, at least you didn't in the past. Exactly. So let's um, kind of follow a, a, an example. Let's say that you have um, an ancestor who was in San Francisco. That's in our, our backyard here. And um, maybe back in the 1800s. And... How would a person go about, you know, you want to see if there are any articles. We have kind of the classics, the obituaries and the marriages and that kind of thing. But oftentimes there are news articles about our ancestors. So when a person kind of has a person and a place, how do you take the first steps? Where do you look first? Well, it's very interesting because last um, autumn I did a, a research project for um, a lady who had um, – San Francisco ancestors, and, you know, that's always a big problem here in uh, San Francisco because of the earthquake happening in 1906, because many of the primary records aren't available. And um, the woman gave me some really basic information about her family, and one of my resources that I felt I needed to use was the newspapers, and I was absolutely blown away at what 
kind of information I found that actually she was blown away too because <laughs> it was information that she didn't know about her grandparents and her great great grandparents. So um, I started by um, she knew her date of birth, and um, I did a you know now there's this new Library of Congress loc.gov site that has the 1900 to 1910 San Francisco call. Um, newspapers um, digitized. So I did a quick little search and um, I didn't find anything. Um, Then I went into San Francisco and did a a manual search on the microfilm and actually found this woman's um, birth date because it was her father's name and not her name. It just says the wife of. Um, And what's pretty interesting because she didn't know the name of her her great-grandfather. So we knew that that was him. And once I got that information, we started doing some searches, and we found an earlier marriage for both of her grandparents in the newspaper. We found a land transaction um, in the San Francisco newspaper that was actually in Oakland. Um, We found um, information about... um, Actually, we think there was a divorce and a second marriage for... Um, the great-grandmother, and so it was just all of this wealth of information um, that we were able to find both looking on microfilm and looking on the digitized versions that they have now on several websites. Well, and and that case study kind of brings up a good point. Uh, We've got microfilm, and of course, microfilm being located in a variety of different locations. Um, You've got some public libraries, I assume, still even have old paper newspapers, but also the right. databases. What other kinds of forms would we find newspapers in and locations? Well, the forums, um, obviously, you may get some in um, original form, the, the newer ones, but most most newspapers are on microfilm somewhere. Um, we've been trying to tell our people that there are more and more of these uh, websites that are available now that you can look and see what newspapers are available for different um, places. Um, For example, there's the uh, 19th century newspaper collection that um, the Gale Group does, and then there's another one called smalltownnewspapers.com. And a lot of these sites list by state the names of the newspapers, and then once you find that out, then you can go to the local public library, perhaps in you know Wayne County, Pennsylvania, and say, do you have these films? And then if they do, then you can ask for them inter- interlibrary loan. However, uh, it's amazing what is being digitized and where it is on the internet. So, if you come from a large town or if you come from an area where somebody's given permission to do uh, digitizing, uh, you may discover just by searching online that you have some access to them digitally um, without going into library loan. Right. Is there one website that's a clearinghouse that tells you not only which newspapers existed in each state, but then also what all the various locations on the web might be? Well, there's, um, um, I'm, I'm, I I can't remember, I have to look here while I'm looking on my notes, but there is a, um, several sites that, um, 
have been done. One of them is actually um, at the Family History Center in Oakland. Um, it's it's uh, in microfilm and in print that you can go in and search for the newspapers by um, state, by county, by town, by topic, um, and see if there's a newspaper that you might look for. That's still the old way of doing it. Um, and then there's also a number of sites um, that um, give you the opportunity to narrow down your search. And I, I'm trying to sit here and talk and look at the, <laughs> look sure. at the website at the same time. There's a neh.gov um, project that is um, National Endowment for the Humanities.gov. Mm -hmm. They have um, started up a program to digitize newspapers, and they also um, have a lot of them on their website. Uh, there's another one called newspapers.com, which gives a list of newspapers worldwide, not necessarily ones that are available digitally or, you know, even a microfilm. Um, and then, I mean, there's just several others that um, would be places that you could look for um, listings. Um, so the New England Historic Genealogical Society has two sites on theirs that they offer for their members, which are um, the 19th Century Newspaper Collection and Early American Newspapers. And actually, if you Google either one of those, 19th Century Newspapers or Early American Newspapers, and it's 1690 to 1876, um, you can actually find places on, online where you can see what, what they have available. And it sounds like then that's step number one would be to determine the the state mm -hmm. and go out and find out which newspapers existed in that area where you were looking for that ancestor. And um, there might be multiple newspapers, isn't that true? And, yes, they, and they also true. span different years. So yeah, you, so have you don't to want to discount the fact that if your family was um, from a different ethnic group, like um, I've had wonderful luck with um, German newspapers in Cincinnati, um, you may find that somebody's done an index of obituaries or done some kind of a guide to help you with some of those newspapers as well. So if, if you can, in your first step, nail down which newspapers existed during the time frame in that location, mm -hmm. then you can go out and search for how to find those particular newspapers. Right. It, it, it's phenomenal. Um, just recently, um, footnote.com has put on a whole run of the San Francisco Chronicle, and that's incredibly helpful for us here in the Bay Area. Um, you have to subscribe to it, but many places like CGS and I believe the Family History Library also have um, subscriptions to it, so you can actually go there and look, look at what they have. Wow, makes you want to start searching for newspapers right away, doesn't it? Well, we are going to go even further into newspapers right after we take some time out. I'm Lisa Louise Cook. And you're listening to Family History, Genealogy Made Easy. We're back, and I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. Now let's head back to my conversation with Jane Lindsay Knowles and more about newspaper research. So you may do a Google search once you know the name of the newspaper and the time frame, and you find some sites that have 
uh, newspapers mm-hmm. and hopefully newspapers in that area and that that particular one. But then you might find that there's quite a variety that some of them are subscription. So would then the next step be maybe to go back to the Family History Library and, and look, check with your local center first just to see what they have access to right there, which might save you some money? Right. I think that that's very true. Um, for example, we have newspaper archives and um, at, at California Genealogical Society, and that is also on other sites uh, like World Vital Records and Godfrey. But we did a study of that last fall, and it's interesting because each one of those sites has different newspapers. Yeah, yeah. So it, it can be pretty challenging to find out um, what you need. Um, another really important thing, I know so many people who listen to you probably um, subscribe to Ancestry. And one of the things that um, is, you know, you see happening now is that Ancestry is putting more and more um, newspapers on their website. Yes. But what people don't realize is that if you go in there and you say, for example, I know they have a little bit of the Oakland Tribune and a little bit of a newspaper that I use in Massachusetts. And if you go in and you just search and it says there's no match, what you need to do is you need to look one step further and go down and see what days and months and years they have for those newspapers because even though it says they have the Oakland Tribune, they may only have one day in one month scanned. So people need to be aware of that. Uh, They need to know that they have to be clear on which newspapers have been scanned and how many of the the dates have been scanned. So we shouldn't be jumping to the conclusion that though we've searched the index on ancestry, that this means that no matter who else has the Oakland Tribune, uh, that our ancestors just not there because that wouldn't necessarily be the case. No, um, it, you have to make sure that you see what they have. And yeah. It's the same way like when we used to look for census records and you'd say, oh, it's not there. Well, then if you looked a little more closely, you'd see that they hadn't done, for example, on Heritage Quest, they hadn't done a complete 1930 census. Right. So it's the same kind of thing with newspapers. You need to be um, aware of what they have before you search. And the other thing, too, um, I guess I would consider cautioning uh, people about is that the indexing that they've done with the newspapers is done by optical character recognition. Yes. And it isn't always picked up properly. And so you need to be very creative on occasion. (laughs) to try to find what you're looking for. Um, I was looking for this man named Openshaw, O-P-E-N-S-H-A-W, and another one called Hagerup, H-A-G-E-R-U-P, and the Openshaw was under O-O-E-N instead of O-P-E-N. Oh. And on the Hagerup, um, when I did the search, um, it was very interesting because the name Hagerup was mentioned three times in the article, and only one of them was highlighted. So that meant that the other two weren't picked up. So how do you work around that? Do you try different misspellings, or what do you do? Um, I try, I could, you do spellings. Um, you could try doing a first name if you know, like, within a realm of time, you know, if you have a very narrow time frame in the paper that you're looking for. Right. Or if you know that the person that you're looking for Another person in the family may have been mentioned, like in the Hagerup one, there was a Frida that was mentioned, which isn't a real common name. Right. So rather than doing Frederick Hagerup, I did Frida and got a different 
bunch of hits. Boy, don't you love those unique first names? Right. <laughs> they make our life a little bit easier. <laughs> right. And so it's, it is, and people shouldn't get discouraged because it's much better than it used to be. I can remember, you know, when I started doing research and looked for newspapers, I mean, you had to kind of look at a day that you knew something happened and then, you know, search, you know, page by page. And now yeah. you really have the opportunity of speeding up that search um, with all the digitizing that they're doing. So we have digital records to look at, possibly online, a smattering of them, I think would be an accurate way yes, to describe it. <laughs> and we have, uh, of course, the Family History Library catalog and their microfilm. Okay, and then another <coughs> thing that you very definitely should do, um, so many um, local historical societies and genealogical societies have indexed a number of um, newspapers yes. for mostly obituaries, but occasionally for other things. And you can find those at the Family History Center and the card catalog. Or one of the places that I've had really good luck is going on to um, U.S. GenWeb. Uh-huh, yes. And sometimes when you go to that particular county, you'll find that somebody has indexed one of the newspapers, and it gives you a great um, clue, and uh, then you can just write specifically for the date and page. I think the beauty of the U.S. Gen Web, and for those of you, I think I've mentioned it here on the show, you, you search by state and then by county, but whether or not those people are you know live in that county is irrelevant. They are dedicated to research in that county. That you yeah. have in common. And even if they haven't, as uh, Jane said, digitized them and maybe shared them online, there is typically somebody on there who's either listed which newspapers existed when mm-hmm. or is a contact. You can always ask, can't you? Yes. And the other thing, too, with U.S. GenWeb that I try to tell people is that the the county sites are inconsistent. Yes. Um, it really depends on the coordinator for that site. And some of them are phenomenal, and some of them just give basic information, but it's definitely a place that you should look for um, anything, especially newspapers. You bet. And I, and I think that kind of brings me to another um, possible source that I've used before, and that is just, like you say, contacting directly the Historical Society and the Genealogical Society in the town where you're hoping to find newspapers for those um, uh, ancestors, as well as the public library, because yes, their reference simply. desk is great, huh? <laughs> well, and the other thing, too, that I've, I've come across is that um, the public libraries um, oftentimes will provide the service of looking up an obituary for you. If you, if you know the death date within a few days, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. they will actually do that for you. Um, and they also may have, like, for example, in Boston, um, at the Boston Public Library, they have they have a very extensive um, obituary index that starts in, before the turn of the century and is um, it for the I think it's for the Herald and the Globe. And so you can call them and say, "Do you happen to have an obituary for such and such a person?" And that's uh, another way. And if you find out that there is one, that obituary might say exactly where he lived if you didn't know that um, because the Boston yes. Globe. You know, it was a broad, for a wider region than just um, just Boston. You know, that brings up another good point. It's I think when we work on the web so much, we start to forget there are real people manning these different <laughs> facilities. Right. And, and they are still accessible. You can email them. You can call them. And I think in some cases, um, now it could be, I'm not trying to make it as a blanket statement, but because so much is online, um, they actually 
sometimes have fewer patrons actually contacting them in person, which means you might get some attention. Yes, uh, that's very true. I've had really good luck calling people, and yeah. nowadays with free long distance, you know, you have the opportunity to, to call rather than to write and wait for a, a letter. You know, oh, to come back to you. Yeah, we don't we don't like to wait if we don't have to, do we? <laughs> right. But you know, the other thing too, we're talking about all these things, and and I really, I think that it's really important to tell people that um, they they shouldn't just look at the local newspaper. They should look at a broader newspaper if the person was more well known, or if they lived in another area. Um, if a person. Um, like like me, I lived my whole life in Massachusetts until I got married, and it may be that someone would write an article about me in my hometown newspaper as opposed to my current yes. home newspaper. And also, um, like I mentioned earlier, the foreign language newspapers and religious newspapers, you just never know what you're going to find. So people should always keep that in the back of their mind that they should look for those as well. That's a great idea because I know recently I was doing some research and um, I actually found the newspaper article in the town of a sibling. So if we work in clusters, if we work sideways and do those same searches, we may find that that person came and visited or or it was reported there because that person was so close to that sibling or that aunt or uncle. Right. And that's very true. Um, I think also um, there was a website that I discovered when I was um, doing this research, and um, he had a lot of newspapers that gave free access, and what I thought was really interesting was he talked about university newspapers, and sometimes they have wonderful articles about their alumni. Oh, yes. Um, And so that's another possibility um, when you're thinking about doing newspaper research. Which brings me to the idea of state archives, university archives, again, great resources potentially for... um, for newspapers, I know here in the state of California, uh, for a very small town called Chowchilla that I research in quite often, it's the state archives who who has every single roll of microfilm. They're not indexed. Right. I have to go through them. I have to, you know, right. uh, wind my way through. But um, they even, I think, allow you to purchase copies of them so you can bring them home and, and work maybe at a local family history center. Oh, so, that would be nice. Yeah, that's a great option. Right. But I, I do think, and um, the other thing, I guess, it's sort of, goes along with newspapers is that um, there are a number of sites now um, set up to do a lot of work with um, obituaries, mm-hmm. and um, there's another site called, I think it's Genealogy Bank. Yes. Um, and Genealogy Bank is really nice because you can actually search, and if you find something, then you can pursue it. But you can actually, like I did a search for my father who died in 2005, and I just did a search for him, and there this obituary popped up, which I couldn't read, but I knew that it was in the paper on such and such a day. And that gave me uh, a clue to narrow, I mean, obviously I knew when he died, but it would give you a clue as to when to look and what paper it was in. And uh, that, I think, is a really good source, and hopefully they won't stop doing that yeah exactly and i know um you know even with all of these high-tech sources um when i was doing research for a local house museum here in our town uh, i went up to the contra costa county historical society and Mm -hmm. they had a book a good old-fashioned book and somebody years and years ago had like cut every article that was about anybody from the valley and put it in this book 
I have never seen that book anywhere else. It was only sitting there on a shelf in the uh, historical society. So sometimes it is just in the back room and you have to ask. And That's true. Isn't that true? You know, and it's exciting to find those kinds of things, but it takes a little more uh, it's, ingenuity. It's almost, like, it's almost like you need to have a, um, a list yes. of all the places that you should potentially look um, to find things because you're right, not even just with newspapers, but with um, anything, there may be stuff in some little place that you'd never in a million years think to look. You but bet. they have the information that you're looking for. Well, well, Jane, that brings up a great point in that uh, in our last episode, um, I know for you listeners who've been with me with the show, we have the, the research worksheet that you can download from the website. And that is the perfect use for um, searching for newspapers because mm-hmm. you can describe what your what your research goal is, which is to locate, you know, great grandpa's obituary, and then you can brainstorm those places where you go and track as you go because uh, Jane, it's so true, isn't it, that it's as important to know where things are not as where they are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and to be able to keep track of it. Well uh, I hope that you'll you'll stay with me, and in our next episode, we're going to be talking about um, the kinds of things, the kinds of articles and information that you can find in newspapers, and I know Jane has some great stories to share on that. So um, you'll stick with me, and we'll continue in our next episode? Fine. Wonderful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Jane has gotten us off to a great start, hasn't she? And in our next episode, she's going to get into the specifics of all the different kinds of records and information that you can find in newspapers. So you'll definitely want to be sure and tune in for that. Now, as I mentioned, Jane is a member of the California Genealogical Society and Library, which was founded in 1898 in San Francisco and is a nonprofit, all-volunteer organization that seeks to aid, educate, and encourage research in family history. Now located in Oakland, California, the Society maintains a library and gathers and preserves genealogical information. If you are interested in more information about searching for your ancestors, and believe me, they have more than just California history in their library, you can plan a visit to the California Genealogical Society by calling area code 510-663-1358 or visiting their website at C-A-L-G-E-N. S-O-C dot org or emailing them at calgen1898 at C-A-L-G-E-N S-O-C dot org. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. You'll find the show notes for this episode, which include all the links I've talked about at my website, genealogygems.com. And there you'll also discover a lot more tips and tools for finding your family history in my podcasts, the blog posts, books, and videos. Become a Genealogy Gems premium member, and you're also going to get access to exclusive content like my full-length video classes and the premium podcast episodes. We have a new one of those coming out every month. Now, if you have any questions about this episode, or if you'd like to share your experiences on how the podcast has impacted your own family history journey, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at genealogygemspodcast at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 925-272-4021 and we might just play it here on the show. Thanks so much for listening, friend. I'll talk to you soon.